Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. It's been 900 days since the first case of COVID was announced in China. To many people I speak to and engage with, it feels like the world's just ready to move on and forget. But we live in a world where the impact of this is going to define the next few years of how society operates and how businesses survive. And in this podcast, I want to share the stories of how entrepreneurs faced this global pandemic, how they stood up when most people were just hiding at home, and how many of them, instead of seeing it as a negative thing, turned it into the opportunity of a lifetime. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be talking to a good friend, Jamie Pajara, who's an entrepreneur in catering and property. Not only that, he's an EO Global Board member, and he's a member of the EO Kenya chapter. Welcome, Jamie, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Ross. Awesome to be here, um, and glad to see you again. So I'm going to ask the same question I ask everyone who comes on the, the show. Will you give us your pre-COVID elevator pitch, and then I suppose your post-COVID elevator pitch? Sure. Uh, so my pre-COVID elevator pitch would be um, our company is a catering company and we kind of take care of everything for you from the food and beverage side so that you can focus on running your event or your conference. Um, that's kind of what we, we were specialized in. Um, and post-COVID, and again, post-COVID is a funny one because I think we've gone through so many post-COVIDs. Today, we, we do the exact same thing. But I also have a business where I'm very passionate about providing affordable housing uh, for the Kenyan market. And so with my first development, Aspire Heights, which is ongoing construction, will be finished in June this year. Um, I'm very excited to um, be doing that and giving it back to, yeah, well, selling it and, 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 and putting it in the, in the, in the economy. Right. So if any of you are living in Kenya and you need an affordable accommodation, this is the man that you need to speak to. Um, but Jamie, I want to take it back a little bit, you know, when, uh, you know, I want to hear about your entrepreneurial journey, like when you were a tiny little boy running around in Nairobi, was it like catering and property was the thing that was driving you? How did you, how did you end up here? Tell us a little bit about that entrepreneurial journey. It, it definitely was by mistake. So I'm born and raised in Kenya. Uh, my family was in the restaurant business. Um, I'm half Chinese, half Indian. My grandfather started the first Chinese restaurant in Nairobi, and he has an amazing story about how he left Hong Kong as a 16-year-old running away from World War II, came by himself, uh, ended up in Mombasa, and this became his home. And when he retired, he opened this restaurant. Um, and so I grew up in the restaurant business. I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, coming down for, for dinners at night, there'd be like two cots in the back where my sister and I would sleep while my parents worked. Um, and, you know, very fortunate. My parents worked really hard, sent us to private school and eventually university in the UK. And, and, and the idea was not to come back. I think the, you know, that time in Kenya, it didn't seem like there were a lot of prospects. And the idea was, you know, if you would leave the country, find a job elsewhere in Europe or, or, or the US and, and stay there, or at least that was the perception I had. Um, I think I was just keen on discovering the world. I, I, I moved after I finished university. I went to Japan. I was a teacher for two years. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, loved my experience there. I then decided I wanted to do film. So I went to New York and I studied in the film industry for a couple of years. Well, studied film and then worked in the film industry for a couple of years. Um, and then, and then I got a call that my father was sick. My father had cancer. 
Um, and I had to come back to Nairobi because he was going to go for treatment. Um, and so when I came back to Nairobi, that's, that's how I ended up in, in the family business. And, you know, reverse culture shock, um, really an ego check as well. I think coming, you know, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm educated in this. I know how things work. And really understanding that, no, it's, it's, it's not how, it, just having the degree is not going to set you up for, for success. Like it's, it's really learning the ropes, really understanding the intangibles. Um, and that's how I got back into the catering business. When my father eventually passed on, um, I decided to diversify and I opened a, opened a, a, a property pr platform uh, similar to what you guys have in South Africa was Property24, private property. Um, so it was called Buy Rent Kenya. Uh, we weren't the first, but very quickly we became the biggest online platform for property in Kenya. Uh, we attracted you know, some rounds of investment. And in 20, 2018, 2019, I, 2018, I exited. Um, we got bought out by our shareholders. Um, and then I came back into the family business. Um, and again, my lesson from that was, you know, I, th I think ego, I think I thought of it as a white knight. I could come in and fix everything. Um, the, the business had moved on. It had expanded. We'd, we'd done different things, but fundamental problems were there. Um, and I had this, this mindset that, Hey, I'm going to be able to fix all of this. And it was, it, it took a lot longer than I wanted a, a bit more of a reality check there really had to, to, to make a lot of changes, changes to myself, changes to the team, changes to what we wanted to accomplish. Um, and then COVID hit and then everything kind of fell apart and, and, and it was just a question then of survival. Um, and in between COVID, that's when I started my development. I'm like, actually, there's, there's no conferences happening. There's no catering happening. Can I, can I do something again in property? Um, and this time actually be involved in the construction of it. Um, and that's how I ended up there. Um, and that's, that's what I do now um, between the two. That's fascinating. And what is the the challenge of running you know you're in a family business which was set up by your father which you know the sort of head of can you share a little bit about what it's like to step into something that somebody else you know has created you know and and i guess dealing with all of the you know i think one way to look at it is that it's an opportunity because there's this established business that you can build on top of and another way is that this somebody who did this before me and I'll always be seen as the the sort of second you know the second in line to the throne can you share your experience about being in a family business yeah totally and uh, and I think that's that's really apt I think there's two things that come to mind so one with family business there's a lot of emotion um you know and like I said it was my grandfather then my father my uncles were working uh, none, none of my cousins or my sister wanted to, to do the business I think there's there's a sense of uh, emotional responsibility uh, when you have it, especially when the, the, the name of the restaurant, <laughs> catering company carries, is, is a family name. It, it carries a family name. It's Tintin. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my grandfather's name. Um, so there's a responsibility that, that felt there I, that I had, you know, we, we, we have to do something to, to, to continue it or to, to at least have a, a gracious exit as it were, um, because, because, because of what it holds and because of all the memories. Like I said, I grew, I pretty much grew up here. Um, I think from a value add, I think the part I always struggled with was, hey, if I'm going to come in, what, what, what am I going to do different? What am I going to add to this? And that's more of an internal mindset um, that, that I was able to bring and, and, and fulfill. I, I think I've managed to do that. I think I've managed to grow it in, in areas that it wasn't in before. So whether it was new lines or, or more into catering, I, you know, we started as a restaurant and I define it now as a catering company um, because I think we, we, we changed the whole business model around it. Um, and then you feel some ownership over there because it because it's yours, 
but I, but I guess that's why I, I, I also wanted to do something on my own, which is where the property part came in. I think maybe internally, I always struggled with that, where as an entrepreneur, as, a, as an individual, I wanted to also not feel like this was just handed to me, that I also wanted to, to have something that I could say, hey, I'm, I'm responsible for this, or this company will be associated with me and only me. Mm. It's an interesting sort of, I guess I have no burden in nice work. There's no legacy that I need to deal with or anything like that. So I guess navigating through that must be uh, both rewarding and challenging at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think we, you know, some really hard conversations and really like, um, difficult moments around COVID, especially, you know, when we felt like, hey, this is a, this is a disaster. Like, you know, we, we've lost 99% of our revenue. Can we survive? Um, if we were to close today, what does it mean? What does it mean um, to our staff, to our people? Like, uh, you know, are, are we okay with it? And, you know, I, I think at that stage, it was a conversation with my mom, um, you know, just to get her perspective, share my perspective. It was a really great conversation where I think we found some clarity. And I think just having that conversation took a lot of the burden off me. I, th I think, and again, sometimes mm -hmm. that, that you, you, you feel over-responsible as a, as a son or someone in a family business that you are doing it for somebody else. But I think sometimes when you have that conversation, um, more clarity comes into it and you, you kind of realize uh, that, that that pressure is, is in your mind rather than from somewhere else. Mm. So I guess, I mean, I think you've kind of got us here by, by accident, but tell, tell me the story of, of that kind of run up to COVID. Like, what was it like watching the world kind of shut down? And, uh, you know, I guess it's interesting because now the, the, there's a family, it's not just your business, but there's multiple members of your family kind of their fate is tied to this this business can you share a little bit about what that, that kind of journey into that looked like yeah uh, I'll, I'll clarify so but but by the time i rejoined the business in 2018 my uncle had retired um so it was just me coming in so no 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 other family members is part of the business uh, my mother's a, a, a minority shareholder uh, and that's why that discussion with her was important um but but i think we you know we had spent so much and like when I came in, you know, it was like, okay, again, what are we going to change? We moved even further away from restauranting more into even further deeper into catering and now into deeper product lines where we were doing corporate catering, like literally setting up canteens in, in, in multinationals and offices, um, invested a lot, you know, retrained staff, rehired, you know, hired new staff. Um, plus we had an existing, um, an existing liability with the staff that we had. So as a family business, we, you know, back then, you know, we were hiring staff and they were staying for, you know, 20, 30 years, and then we'd hire their son. It was very much a family business in all sense uh, of, of how we were operating. But we, but, but, but gratuity had, had, had piled up. And we, you know, we, if, if we were to close, we would have to pay everyone, um, you know, all the gratuity that they were owed. COVID, COVID comes out of, out of nowhere. And one decimates our, our business model because all the corporates are closing down. There's no need for canteens. Uh, there's no large conferences happening anymore. Um, so overnight, literally 99% of our, our revenue goes. And, and then, you know, even the restaurant closes. People are not allowed in restaurants. Um, if I'm being honest, I think I was in a state of shock. I, I, in hindsight, I probably didn't react well. I didn't know how to react. Um, genuine panic. Um, Mm. And then, and then, I, 
I, I always, I, I think what got me through, I, I, and I can always live with this, I can always live with a business failing. That, that's, that's part of life and that's part of the risk that I'm prepared to take. I think the part that really killed me was that, you know, so many people depended on this for their livelihood. Um, so not my, necessarily my family, but our staff members. Um, and how do we get through this? And, and how do we, if we close today and can't pay them, what, what does it mean? So, you know, really drained our reserves, spoke to a lot of them, tried to, tried to work out like what, what kind of package we could do and over what period of time. Um, and my goal at that time, not, not really knowing that we would come out of COVID would be like, hey, once we pay all our suppliers, once we pay all our staff, I'm okay to close the business down um, and, and, and move on to something else. That, that was kind of my mindset mm -hmm. around it. I think it's also worth uh, kind of sharing with listeners, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if Kenya was different to South Africa, but there was no government support. There was no money coming from uh, the government to bail you out, uh, you know, nicer if we were left completely on our own. And in fact, the only support that was offered was a loan that they negotiated on our behalf, which I'm still paying back today. So, so debt was the only option to sort of survive during that time. We we didn't even have a loan um, from the government. It was uh, it, it was it was it was it was tough. It was yeah. I I I I, I remember being so emotionally unstable at that at that stage, just because I I was struggling to deal with the emotions of what was happening around me, um, and and what was happening in the business, what was happening, yeah, just just then, and just not seeing a light out. And I think that's hard. I, you know, I think sometimes when you see the that that it's going to change. Um, you can work through it. You can work through the trench. But I think back, if I think back to 2020, there's a little bit of hope that you can hold on to. But you know, in 20, 2020, you don't know. You don't know is this going to last a year, two years, three years? Is this is this forever? Um, and again, we were just in the wrong. You know, we we're in one of those businesses that that became. You, where do you pivot? Um, you, you can do sure. You can do catering. You know, takeaways and things like that. But it wasn't the bulk order. It wasn't the. We we weren't really set up for that, and we weren't able to recover on that side. So, so what did you do? Like, what did, how did you navigate that? We, I mean, we did, so we did, we, 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 we started to do more takeaways. Um, and that was really for cash flow. Uh, we, we put all our reserves in and, and really spoke to, you know, with our staff, tried to make them understand the situation. And, and of course they did. I think everyone, everyone understood uh, where we are, um, reaffirmed our commitment would be like, listen, we, we want to be sure that whatever happens with the company, everyone leaves here, um, taken care of in a, in a, in a fair, in a fair way. Um, it, it just might take longer. And I think those were, were conversations that we had to have difficult conversations, but you know, and, and credit to my staff, I think everyone understood what was going on. And it was, it was, it was, it, there was a lot of support. I, I actually have a lot of mem staff members who worked for free at that point. And they were like, listen, Jamie, we we're okay for now. Um, we'll, we'll sort this out later. Um, and, and, and yeah, just, just really try to, to do that. And then slowly, I guess by the time when things were, you always feel like it's rock bottom, it's rock bottom, but you just push yourself. It's like, it's almost like I, someone always told me when you run a marathon, it's like one kilometer at a time. Just keep thinking of that. And I, and I think that's what it was. I, I was just thinking, how do we get through it? And then the world started to open up again um, and work started to come back. And, and, and you know, fortunately, touch wood, we're, we're in a much better situation now than when we were before. I think it taught us to be operationally smarter. Um, so like now, when I think about the business and how we operate now, doing the same kind of revenues we were doing pre-COVID, but with a much lighter workforce, with much more efficiency, with much stronger processes. Um, and I think that's that's what we learned in that process to come through it. Hmm. 
That's and then, and then, and then in yeah. between there, the, and then in between there, the gamble to be like, "Hey, actually, I'm going to go start a building in the middle of COVID because you know, <laughs> drain, tell, you know, telling my wife, hey, we need to put all our savings into this. I think this is going to work. Um, yeah, I, I, I think sometimes that's COVID brain when you take all these, you know, these risks and um, challenges. Yeah, that, that we went through. Yeah, with I, mean, that. I was going to ask you, what is the, what was the motivation behind this? Are you in this like state of chaos, emotional turmoil, you sort of semi-stabilized the business, you've you started sort of sorting people out. What what drove you to then go, okay, well, actually, you know what I'm going to do instead of just sitting on my pile of money is I'm going to uh, do something with it. I'm going to build a, a building um, for people. I think I'd given up. I think I'd given up on the catering. You know, I think I was like, again, the motivation was like, let's just get through it. Let's just make sure everyone's paid. And like, how, how can we do this in a, in a way that It'll, it'll work but we weren't trying to innovate or trying to do new things i think i'd given up mentally at that stage and was looking for other things um i, I you know i i looked i looked i looked at jobs i was like hey maybe i need a job because because the reality then starts to set in that hey you're not getting a salary like how, how are you going to make this work you have you have a family of kids you have um all this what are you going to do um you know thankfully my, my wife works which is which is was great we you know her income was still coming in and then it was like, what do I know best? Um, and during my time with Byron Kenya, um, you, you know, I, the data, the data for there, from there was clear. There was always going to be a demand for affordable housing um, in that price range. And in, in the, the location that we found, um, I believe the data would show us from years ago that that was a, a sought after area in, in where it was going to be. And so when that opportunity came, and again, I think there's, there's, some, there's some fortune in that. I, I met somebody a year before who had the skill set that I didn't have, the actual building construction part. I understand it from a from an advertising from a demand from you know from a financial standpoint. But like, you know, to, to bring in an engineer who understood the construction part um, as a partner to do it. I think that 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 kind of came in and I was like, okay, this this kind of makes sense. It'll be a two-year project. People will need housing. Um, it's a big risk to start now, but let's 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 do it um, and see what happens. So did you did you self fund this thing yourself? Were you like, okay, I'm gonna dip into my thing, or did you go to banks and be like, hey, I know the world's collapsing and burning around us, but I would like to um, uh, build a building. Please give me a loan. No, at the moment it's self funded, so it's it's funded with um, with our savings and it's um, and then sales or pre sales we've made um, from there. Uh, we haven't taken any financing on this on this project. Wow, that's a super bold move. Um, like I say, no, co 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 can, can co COVID brain. I, I, I don't know if it, if it was the right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you do funny things in COVID. Well, yes. Um, so, so I'm interested, like, what is it like coming out of it? Can you talk a little bit about where the different businesses are at right now and where you're at sort of now that the, the world's pretending to be over, over COVID? Yeah, pretending to be over. I like that. It's 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 funny, right? Because it almost feels like COVID didn't happen when you when you when you drive around. Like if you take a, a snapshot of people like a year ago and a snapshot of people before and after, like you could just erase that. Yeah, it just feels everything's back to normal. Um, okay, so where are we with the businesses? Uh, in the restaurant and catering business, we're pretty much back to pre-COVID levels um, in terms of work that's coming in. Um, we're a much leaner, um, a, a much leaner operation. Um, so I think that's that's a better place for us to be in. 
with with the building we're about 70% done we've built the structure uh, we'll finish this in june next year um, we, we we're still about like eight five five to five to eight units depending on what the final price would be uh, of reaching break even um, and that's my goal get to break even i don't need to take anything out right now like i, I can wait till the end but that that's my goal there um, to really push sales get another five to eight units sold um, I know construction is then taken care of until until June, and and then we can sell the rest uh, as we get closer to the end. Um, my personal situation has taken a, a big change. My wife got reposted to Geneva for her work, uh, so she's moved, we have moved uh, with my kids there, um, and I'm in this transition phase for this year where I spend um, some of my time in Geneva, some of my time in in Kenya, and in between my time in EO with my EO responsibilities, um, trying to make that happen. And this is all really new to me at this stage. I don't know what that means for the businesses later. I, I, I don't know what it means. I, I, you know, my wife had said to me, she's like, if this is going to continue for more than a year, then I shouldn't have taken this job. Um, and I agree. I think more than anything, I, I, I want to be a present father. I think that's the most important thing, a present father, present husband. Um, and so I, 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 I don't know if I have the answer, but how do I spend more time there? less time here. Um, I don't know if that becomes a management thing um, or a, a structural thing, or is it a, or is it an exit and look for something else? And I, I, I haven't worked that part out yet. Mm. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It strikes me, you know, you sort of your life, you were in Kenya and then you sort of went and lived abroad and studied abroad, which seems to be quite a trend with with a lot of the Kenyan entrepreneur, the, the members that I've met is studying around the world and then coming back again. And now you back out into the world. How is, I guess, how has EO and your engagement with EO helped you become more kind of global in your outlook and being able to to be comfortable sort of running a business? from uh, Switzerland into to Nairobi. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, EO in so many ways has changed my life and that's definitely one of the aspects. I think the the experiences, what members, how members are are operating just kind of opens your eyes, gives you a lot lot to think about, makes you makes you realize that things are possible, things that you you wouldn't think, takes you out of your being narrow-minded. Um, also gives me also gives me perspective. I always say to people, I joined EO because I wanted to be better at business. I, I think I became better at life. Um, and you know the comment I made earlier, where I'm like, "Hey, actually, no family first. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really simple comment for me now. But I think prior to joining EO, it probably wasn't. I'd probably back then would have said, "No, I'm, I'm I would rather do more work and less family." Um, and I think it's it's through these journeys that that have changed that. But uh, yeah, EO has been super valuable in that sense. I think there's so many people doing amazing stuff at EO. And I think, and again, for me, the power of EO is the network, right? Like, I think if, if we, if we're able to bring people closer together, we will find the answers we are seeking for um, because someone, someone has done it or someone has something to share that could really impact your life. Mm. So, so do you think you'll, you'll make enough money on the property to be able to self fund an apartment build in Switzerland? I don't know if I'll be able to self-fund an apartment built in Switzerland. I'm not sure. Switzerland is pretty expensive. <laughs> um, but, 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 uh, but, the, but the property is interesting, right? Like, and, and I think about it in terms of compound, right? Like compound effect. And like, if I stop at this one property, I feel I do myself a disjustice, I, an injustice. I feel like I have to do another one because I think whatever I've learned in this will make the other one easier. I, uh, I think people who 
um, who maybe would have invested with me on this want to see that, hey, can you do it? And if they see that you've done it successfully, we'll invest in the second one. And, I, and so, yeah, I, 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 that's the one I struggle with. I think like, you know, I, I, I don't want to stop and, 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 and move out and, and say no to, and, and close the door on that. I think that's the one I definitely want to be able to do more because I feel like the journey, the journey aligns to it. Um, in the restaurant catering side, I feel very comfortable to be able to either step out, um, either put in a management team or, or even, you know, if the right opportunity came to, to even walk away from the business, I, I'm actually okay with that now. I think I fulfilled the parts that I wanted to fulfill on it. Um, and if that came to a natural end, um, or if it's able to run without me being here, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm super struck by how clear you are with your intentions with the business. You were like, I want to come in and I want to prove this. I want, you know, I want to, I want to add value. You, you, it seems like you've done a lot of thinking about that. And even now when you talk about the property businesses, you've, got a sense of, okay, I've proved that I can build this building and you seem fairly confident that you're going to sell it out and it will be successful, you know, and you're like, I want to then take that skill and that learning and apply it in a new place. Like, how did you, how did you find such clarity? Because I know with myself, you know, my journey has been one of nice work and me were the same thing for a long time. You know, that it was almost like an expression of me as a human being. And I've done a lot of work almost untangling myself from that because I don't know, well, at least for myself, that wasn't the best route for me to live the life I wanted to live, to be sort of completely embedded in this thing all the time. How have you found that clarity and, and found that space? I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's clarity because I, I think, again, I still struggle with some of the thoughts around it. Um, but I think... I, I believe so. So, for example, with the, with the property and this this project, like when when we started, we know there's an end date, and at the end date, a decision can be made: either we do another one or we stop and, and we're there. And I think because there's there's a finite time frame on what we're doing, it, it's it's easy to, to 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 understand very clearly what the goal is on this in this particular thing. Mm. Um, the part of having the skill set and, and and the compound and you know to, to to be able to do something else that's just part of the that that comes along the way and just real, realizing that hey if I did this I made a mistake here I wouldn't make this mistake again or I wouldn't you know we should have done this differently or we should have done that and that that's just you know I, I feel we can build on that and go forward um, with, with the restaurant I think you know when we moved to catering that was just like a business decision to move and that was again circumstances of where we saw. Um, where the economy was, where we were competing, where our location was, and, and, and just decisions around that. Um, really also to make it easier, um, you know, I, I talked to you earlier about like how when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at the restaurant. I, I you know, my, my father, God bless him, like worked so hard, but I remember so many dinners, family dinners, he wasn't here because he was working. Um, and, you know, I was like, I don't want to do that for my kids. Um, and so moving to catering was very intentional because it's, it's, less, it's less of me required. It's more, it's more operational um, and more fixed times and more mm. um, it didn't take away so much from my family in that sense. Um, and then, of course, when COVID happened, the, the, the goal is very clear. It's really about like, hey, if we were to close down tomorrow, we want to be sure that we have paid every single person off that we owed that we that we if we if we close we close and that's that's out that we can we can deal with that but we never want to close owing anybody money um and now that we've reached that stage again that it gives me it gives me the space to be like well actually if we if we do well great if we don't 
we can walk away or we can find a management or we can we can sell and I'm okay with with that so I think it was it's being clear about the goals that I wanted at each stage um, from there and and again with the catering business I don't look at it now I think pre-covid I was very much like hey I want to have five branches and I want to have um, this and that and, and and that's not an ambition for me anymore like I think I think that COVID, COVID like killed my my passion for this industry so it's like <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah uh, I don't think of it in those terms anymore. But but I find it interesting. I guess what I'm taking from our conversation is that being clear on the outcome or the goal of what it is you're doing can help at least be one point of reference for when you're dealing with all the emotional, you know, all the the thoughts and the the doubt and you know ego and all the things that sort of pop up in these decisions that the goals can be quite a good place to come back to to anchor yourself in in what it is that you're trying to do and why you started it yeah definitely i think having a goal gives the clarity i think ego is an interesting one because i think you come into every or at least i do i come into everything with big ego (laughs) and then either i have to reduce my ego or reduce the goal to find the balance to, to, to make it happen. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that's always the, the trickier one, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel like having the goal like this gives me a lot of clarity, um, on, on what we're doing. Um, and, and just the finish line, I think it's just, it's, it's just breaking it down. I, I get what you mean. I think, you know, in, in the past, the company and, and not so much with this one, I think with Byron Kenya before we were sold, it just felt so intrinsically linked to me. Um, and maybe the goal at that stage was too far out that it just, it, it was always, I was always chasing, I was always chasing and it just became part of me. Whereas I think these are very clear, achievable goals, which gives me now the space to be like, okay, well, what do I want to build on top of it? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, talking, talking about ego is an interesting one. Uh, I did a, a, a speaking thing with Rich, uh, the, the um, what's it, story to stage which I know you were on. I'm not sure if you, if you completed, that's my call out to you. Um, and they've got that whole module, which is like, fuck your ego. Um, and I always try and hold on to that because sometimes the decisions I make are, are my ego speaking, you know, and, and a very good example I can give you now is we're busy raising cash for a project we're working on. And there was uh, a person who we were doing business with at the beginning of the year who we're not doing business with anymore who would be the right person to fund it. But part of my ego is telling me, it's like, you don't need them. Like, you can do this on your own. You can succeed, you know, with your own steam. And ultimately, when you divorce the ego, I'm like, well, if I get the funding from them or somebody else, it doesn't matter. I get to achieve what I want to achieve, which will fulfill me. You know, where, where it comes from is, is slightly not, not, you know, it's not like there was a values mismatch. It's just like, I feel like doing it on my own. Um, so yeah, I guess in a lot of the stuff, uh, and maybe it's, I need to do some reflection on this is like ego is such a big part of, your decision making and then those decisions have long reaching effects on the people around you, your staff, the people you touch, all of these things. So it is such a interesting journey to try and start understanding that and, and shifting it at the time. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think sometimes and again and again my journey and I and I credit a lot of it to EO, I think um in the past, I think it was it was it was very much tunnel vision. Is like I want to do it this way and this is the way I'm going. And again, ego, right? Like just I don't, this person said this to me. I want to do it by myself, or I, I don't agree with this. Um, 
in so many ways. And, and, and I think just not having, not being able to understand the people around me, not being able to, to really, uh, to, to be balanced, I guess is, is the word. I, I, I feel I'm, I have a lot more self-awareness. I have a lot more, um, uh, yeah, a lot more of a pulse of, of what's happening around me and, 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 and try to keep my ego in check. Not that I get it right. Um, I'll go do, still, you know, go say I'll build a building, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, just, um, yeah, but, but it, it's definitely, it's, you know, I, I, so many of my mistakes, I, th I think are ego. Like there's so many decisions I wish, um, I could take back, but if I, if I, if I think about why I did them, they were ego driven and that's, um, mm. yeah, hopefully with, hopefully with, hindsight, but I think that's it. Yeah, I think that said, I don't think ego is a bad thing. Uh, no. You know, I think ego is, is what drives at least me to take some of the moves that I like I'm doing. I'm like, I want I believe I can do that. I, you know, I can kind of do that. And if I didn't have that drive and that ego kind of pushing me, I probably wouldn't have done half of the things that I did. I guess it's just that almost that yin and yang. There's the, the good side of the ego is that's driving you. It's giving you belief. It's giving you, you know, you like entitlement, you know, and all the things that you need in order to take bold steps. But on the negative side, it, it can then also get in the way and help you make bad decisions and not support you and get in your own way and trip up and hurt the people around you. Yeah, and and hundred percent right. Like I, I agree. I think ego is definitely the drive. I think the the funny thing is that it whether it's good or bad is is always a rear view experience. It's it's whether you are able then to, to execute <laughs> or come through it on 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 whether it's um, mm. whether it was the right decision. Like like all those decisions I say where the ego led me. I think then it's my failure to have executed it and like and and really brought it to fruition. If, if I did, then my ego is right at that stage. Um, but then it's. You know, I, I say I got into it. Maybe, maybe, maybe not judging it properly is 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 the way. Yeah, but again, it's it's always a rear view um, experience to see if it's a right decision or a wrong one. Fascinating. So, so Jamie, um, you know, as my last question to you, uh, what is the lesson that you've personally taken out of COVID that you don't think you would have learned if? you hadn't been through the, the kind of trauma of that whole thing? It's probably resilience. Um, re resilience to taste, right? I, I think, so, so, so I think it, it, in my case, being very, very clear about what was a non-negotiable for me and what I wanted to to be able to walk away with, with myself. And like I said, it wasn't on my personal side. If I, if I went down, I was always very confident that I have the ability to recover, but there was a non-negotiable where I was like, I will not, I will not walk away, or or run away, without fulfilling um, what what I said I was going to do. Um, and that in, in that case, it was owing people money or being sure that we owed no but nobody money. Um, so I think it's, it's it's one thinking of it in terms of principles, and the second is, is just the resilience and really just sticking through it. And so many bad times, so many like, so many moments where even though you're like, I've made this decision, like, can I really do this? Is it going to work? And and so much sacrifice, so many things that, you know, we gave up that we that we, yeah, that we had to do to make to make it work. But I think it's, it, it, that's the one thing I, I feel came out stronger. And, you know, and I feel like now when, when we're in a trench, I, I just keep saying, it will, you know, just keep going, just keep going, it will change, it will come out. And I, yeah, I hope that hope that's uh, Hope that is the case in the future. I hope I keep that lesson, like just to be always to be able to stick through it. Mm. What is that saying? That success is a terrible teacher. Um, 
you know, I think you learn so much when things are going wrong, um, especially if you're open to listening. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, like, on the personal side, COVID was, was actually really, really great, like, in, in other ways, like, of course, business was, was, was a whole thing. But, you know, so, so much more appreciation for this country. I really loved, I, you know, I fell in love with the country again. Um, you, you couldn't travel outside, right? Like you could only travel locally. So I, I fell in love with it again. Um, really great just spending that time with my family, like just being really connected with with my friends. Like I think there, there was some really great positives, like a lot of self-reflection that came out of came out of that. Um, and then also makes you realize what what's important in your life. And I think, yeah, that those are good lessons from, from COVID. Hmm. Well, Jamie... Um, you know, I, I just want to encourage everyone. I've heard. I mean, you never, you never gave it to me, but uh, apparently, the best Chinese meal in Kenya is at your restaurant. So, hopefully, we get to have a meal there soon. Yep. When you're next in Nairobi, hopefully. When you, when you're next in town, absolutely, would love to. Um, would love to host you. <laughs> well, cruel irony will probably mean that you're in Switzerland when I'm in Kenya. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jamie. So thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and and thank you for sharing the the journey and the challenges that you've been through. Thank you, Ross. It's awesome to awesome to be here, and yeah, thank you for the opportunity. So once again, you have been listening to Radio, which is a podcast for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs. Um, if you've enjoyed this, please really share it with someone who you think might need to hear it. Um, I think one of our values at EO is, is a thirst for learning. And I think practical, pra practical knowledge and transference of it is one of the most valuable things that you can do with your time. Um, this show is produced by me, Ross Drakes. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a proud member of EO, and if you want more information, if you are running your own business, go to eonetwork.org. Um, I, can, I can highly, highly rec recommend joining us. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all in the next one. Bye-bye.